0: The reading is taken from Genesis, chapter 1, and can be found on page 3 of the Church Bible, verses 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be your food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening. And there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hey, thank you, Nikki. Well done. Good evening, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Uh, you're very, very welcome. As Janie has alluded to, at uh, this is the second part of a series we've been doing. Uh, basically entitled Thriving on Your Frontline. And we've been thinking about work, how we can thrive in that place of work. And um, basically, we've had a biblical definition of work. Work is everything really in your life that you do, not for uh, relaxation, if you like. And so we've had this concept of a frontline is where you are, where you exert most influence and spend most of your time. And so thriving on your front line uh, is about you thriving, doing work, it might be paid work, it might not be paid work, it might be raising children, it might be looking after grandparents, it might be voluntary work, it might be studying at school or university, that's work. Uh, and actually, how we can thrive on our front lines. So what I'd like you to do, are you with, are you with the definitions? Can we just raise a hand if you're with me? Or, okay, tell the person next to you where your front line or your front lines are you can think about that. OK. We did this last week. It would be good. It, can we shout out some of our front lines? It's just interesting. We've heard, we've heard from Stuart about his front line. Any front lines? Office. office, law firm. That everyone's clamming up, Was there? In the, In the police. Anyone at school? <laughs> yeah, teaching. Anything, anyone here? Street angels. Street angels. That's a great front line. Say that again. I didn't hear that. The bar. Oh, the farm. That sounds good. <laughs> the bar. That's a good front line, isn't it? Um, anyone else? The church. The church. That's where you work, isn't it, Michael? So what we're going to do? We're going to think about thriving on the front line. And what I want to do, just as we begin, is we think about your attitude to your front line, your place of work. I want to play this video. Uh, about a cubicle at work, just to get us thinking about what we're doing.
2: My job is stupid, my days are bored. Inside this office, From 8 till 4, nothing ever happens, my life is pretty blank, pretending that I'm working, pray I don't get care.
1: So that's work. (laughs) It gets you thinking, doesn't it? I want to uh, obviously explore our work this evening. What I want to do is think about thriving. I've got four suggestions of how we can thrive on our front line, whether that is uh, at school, at uni, uh, in an office, voluntary work, wherever we are, wherever our front line is, raising the children uh, in the family. The first thing I want to say, if we're going to thrive on the front line, I want to suggest we need to plug in. We need to plug into God wherever our front line uh, is. So you'll see on this next slide, uh, plug into God. Now, um, if you're going to plug into God, uh, I think we should just find the uh, energy source. And you've got to just do this on a daily basis on your front line. You've got to plug into God. That's what you've got to do. And uh, God is living, he's dynamic, he's doing all sorts of things. And so you need to plug into him. And uh, this is really, really important that we do this. How do you plug in? Uh, The first thing I want to suggest, uh, in order to plug in, you've got to hold on to God's story. You've got to hold on to God's story tight if you're going to plug in. You've got to remember who it is you're worshipping, what it is you've been asked to do and you've got to plug in and hold on to the story of God. You know, what are the big stories? Is it that uh, the prime minister and her husband have boy jobs and girl jobs uh, on the one show this week? That's not the greatest story. Is it that uh, the labor manifestos leaked? That's not the biggest story. Is it that the North Korea are sending off missiles again? That's not the biggest story. Or Donald Trump's sacked the FBI director? That's not the biggest story. Biggest story is what God is doing through Jesus Christ uh, as we look back in the present and what he's going to do in the future. So you've got to hold on to the story of God if you're going to effectively plug in. And so what I want to do as I think about plugging in, plugging into God's story, summarise God's story, okay, as part of this first point. And uh, I don't know how you'd summarise the story of God. Here's four things uh, about uh, the story of God, and it ties into this reading we've heard. Part A would have to be creation, as you think about what God has done as you look back. God has created the world. We get the account of that in Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 1. And uh, God creates the world out of nothing. He basically uh, says, let there be light, there's light, Land, there's land. Uh, he creates the sun, the moon. He creates uh, the seas, the livestock, the fishes, and he creates this amazing world. And in this reading we've just had, you know, he actually creates men and women in verse um, 26 to 31. God created, um, sorry, then God said, Let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air over all the livestock. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. So God creates the world. This is part A, if you like, of this extraordinary story you and I are part of. And this is important as you think about plugging in because as we saw last week, God creates the whole thing. He's over the whole thing and he's with you on your front line, wherever that is, because he's the creator and he's creative and he's with you. Part B would have to be the four, wouldn't it? Uh, probably. Uh, this is, you'll know, Adam and Eve basically are created. We get the detail in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 3, we, we hear the things go wrong with the creation. What's the deal? God has said to Adam and Eve, these people he's created, look, I've made this amazing place for you, this wonderful place for you. I want you to thrive. It's just extraordinary. There's, there's animals, there's multiple rivers, vegetation, and I want you to Uh, Just walk with me in the cool of day. Just one thing, just one thing I just don't want you to do. One thing. There are two trees uh, in the middle of the garden. I don't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's just one thing. That's the only thing. There's enough food everywhere. Just don't do that. And then, of course, uh, Adam and Eve actually eat from that tree. And it has devastating consequences for the creation uh, for them. What are the consequences? The first thing that happens is that sin enters the world for the first time. Sin is this funny word, isn't it, today? It's, it sounds old-fashioned, sounds a bit crazy. If you mention it in the public square, people sort of raise their eyebrows and think, what the hell are you talking about? Actually, at its heart, it's about missing the mark. It's about missing a target, is this sense of this idea. Missing the mark in our relationship with God, Missing the mark, that's what Adam and Eve did. Missing our mark in our relationship with each other, that's what Adam and Eve did. And missing our mark with our relationship with ourselves and creation. And this concept of sin, strange though it sounds, is utterly devastating because uh, actually it results in death of people, death of humanity. And uh, actually, we live a short time, and then uh, we die. And Adam and Eve uh, also feel ashamed for the first time. They, they were naked. They didn't even realize it. When they do that, they suddenly feel ashamed. So shame comes into humanity. And also, uh, you know, obviously, uh, death uh, is the worst thing. And futility comes into our labors. So this is just utterly devastating for what's happened. Part C would have to be uh, restoration or redemption, the redemption with the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is described as the second Adam, and he's going to turn around just what's happened at the fall. And uh, it says at the beginning of John's gospel, I don't know which passage you would pick, but it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God in the beginning. Chapter uh, 1, verse 14 Uh, The word has uh, become flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen him, the one full of glory, the only one, the glorious one, coming from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus uh, actually restores and reverses the effects of the fall. And so the first thing he does in respect to sin, he, he speaks forgiveness to people. He speaks for forgiveness to people. And when we come to faith in him, he speaks forgiveness over our lives. And uh, he also calls people out of futility. He says, come follow me. Uh, I'm going to make you fishes of men. I'm going to invest your life with purpose and meaning. If you follow me, just, so just come and follow me. He then reverses all the effects and creation in creation and humanity. He starts to heal people and get rid of evil and cast out evil, and uh, actually, ultimately, of course, on the cross, he defeats death. And when we come to faith in him, actually, we have the opportunity to experience his life now, his eternal life now, uh, and actually, we defeat death. So you see what he's doing in in part C. It's extraordinary. You've got to hold on to this story if you're going to plug in. And then part D, finally, is the renewal of all things. Revelation 21, 1 and 2 speaks of what's going to happen at the end, that actually uh, a new heaven and a new earth are going to come, a new Jerusalem. It's a city, and uh, this is what God is going to do. He's going to renew all things absolutely all things. And so this is extraordinary, our past, our heritage, what's gone before, what God is doing now, and what he's going to do in the future. It's utterly extraordinary what we're part of. And uh, notice it starts in a garden, it ends in a city. And uh, we have this God who's building and renewing and restoring. So you've got to plug in and hold on to the story. And you've got to hold on to the truth of that story if you're going to be able to plug into God. How do you plug in? There's all sorts of ways you can plug in on your front line through holding on to the story, reading the word, through um, prayer, through uh, being in community with other people. But however you do it, I encourage you, urge you to plug in uh, actually to God on your front line knowing that he's created you, he's with you, knowing that things have gone wrong, your front line isn't gonna be perfect, but he's renewing and redeeming it and restoring it, and he's gonna renew all things, and he's calling you, as we saw last week, to be part of that renewal. If you're gonna plug in, you're gonna to have to bow down on a daily basis. You're gonna to have to get down before your creator. You're gonna to have to plug in and worship him, and he's with you by his spirit. Uh, Wherever you are, He is. Uh, A top tip I do every day, I just pray the Lord's Prayer. I often really don't feel like praying some days. I just wake up, I just pray that prayer. And it reminds me of who it is uh, actually I am walking with in my life on the front line my Father, uh, who uh, has plans and purposes. And I can bow down to Him on a daily basis Your kingdom come, Your will be done. And you know the rest of it. Walk away from temptation to be delivered from evil and seek to be people who actually build and restore uh, his kingdom and renew uh, the world with him. So are you going to plug in? Are you Are going to plug in? What do you want? Uh, what do you want? Do you want that? Or do you want that? I know what I want. I know what I want. I want to be drawing on the life of God, the heart of God, the energy of God through his spirit on a daily, daily basis on the front line. Secondly, uh, I want to suggest, if you're going to see yourself thrive, you'll see from this next slide, that actually um, what you uh, need to do is see yourself as God sees you. You've got to see yourself as God sees you. Now, do you enjoy looking at the mirror, in the mirror? You know, I was looking in the mirror the other day, and I I was like, oh. You know? I didn't sort of go into the mirror. I sort of go, whoa, who are you? Wow, you're amazing. We don't do that, do we? we? We actually need to actually see ourselves as God sees us. This is important. I told you that slight summary of the story because what we tend to do as Christians is we start at Genesis chapter three, not Genesis chapter one, and we feel like our lives have gone wrong, we're fallen, we're sinful, uh, and actually, that's not where the story starts. The story starts, as we've heard, in Genesis one, chapter one, and God creates the World uh, in Genesis chapter 1, four times he said, It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, creation's good. And then actually, he creates uh, Adam and Eve, as you just heard, I think it's in verse 30, and uh, he creates them and he says, God saw all that he'd made, it was very good. People are very good. And uh, you need to hold this truth. If you're going to actually thrive on your, your front line, that actually God sees you as good and beautiful. And uh, actually, uh, you're made uh, in the image of God. It says a lot about being made in the image of God. Created man and women, verse 27. God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him, male and female. And it goes on. This is this idea, this concept of being made in the image of God. The imago day is the technical word for it. That actually, in some way, I reflect God. I'm made in the image of God. In some way, you all reflect God. You're made in the image of God, male and female. Uh, he's created you, and uh, you're beautiful in His sight. And uh, you need to hold on to... The truth that actually uh, God sees you as his children, as his sons and daughters, and actually you're made in his image. I say that because often what happens on the front line is that we take ourselves out of all that God can do in and through us through our own thinking or our own negativity. Is it just me on your front line? You think, oh, I, I can't do that. I'm not like them. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. If only you knew what's really going on. You know, I was, uh, we had some Kiwi mates staying this weekend. We made a banner, or one of my children did, and I was trying to get the sellotape onto the, to, to hook up this banner, and I pulled out the sellotape out of the thing, and it sort of ripped, and a voice came to me out, you can't even do sellotape. Is it just me who has those voices? Feel a bit stupid? Who am I? God's using that person. Who am I to think I can renew creation with God? Who am I to think I can make a difference? Who am I? You're made in the image of God. And you must never, ever, 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 ever forget that truth. Ever. If you're going to thrive on your front line, and if you're going to make a difference. The third thing I want to suggest, if we're to thrive on our front line, if I can remember it, is we've got to be passionate about what we're doing. Got to feel really passionate about what we're doing. And I want to ask you, as you think about your work on your front line, is it a lemon, a cheap apple, a banana, or a peach or strawberry? to other person next to you long enough you know lots of lots of people i think find their work to be a bit like a lemon a bit bitter do you know what I mean? A bit sour. They don't enjoy their work. Other people, um, uh, their work is a bit like a cheap apple. Do you ever eat a cheap apple? You know, you know, you, you pick one up. You know as soon as you see it, don't you? And you oh, take it or leave it. I always throw it away. I always feel a bit guilty, but I throw it away. Do you, Is that just me? Jeez, there's no point eating a cruddy apple, is there? It's like just I'm not even going to waste my energy on that. Some people feel about their, their, their work about that. And maybe it's like a banana, if you like bananas alternative, it's like, hmm, this is sweet, this is pretty good, I like this. Or if you love your job, maybe it's a strawberry or a peach. And you think, wow, that's just fantastic. It's important you think about your attitude to your front line and your work on your front line because actually, um, generally speaking, we have a very negative view of work in our culture. And, uh, you know, we, we, we sort of, I, I remember when I was a lawyer, uh, you go in, photocopy on Monday morning, you know, how's it going? Oh, really Monday-ish. Oh, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I wasn't long enough. Here we are sort of thing. Or, um, you know, on Thursday, have you ever had this one? How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Nearly the weekend. Nearly the weekend. Or we talk of work-life balance, don't we? Work-life balance. What does that say? Life is here, da 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 da, da. work is here. <laughs> it's the death-life balance. And uh, we just have a potentially, you know, I'm in a dead-end job and these sorts of things. So actually, it's really, really important that you remember that actually uh, work is a blessing. Your front line is a blessing to you. And actually, God is a worker himself. You know, read Genesis chapter one. He works really, really hard for six days. He rests on the seventh, but God is a hard worker. He's still working. And uh, actually, he uh, says that work is a blessing. It's there, isn't it? Uh, I think in uh, 26, 28, so God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful. Here's your work and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. God blessed them and gave them work. And uh, actually, what's interesting is in the... um, Hebrew, the word uh, Avodah means worship. It also means work. So it's quite an interesting relationship, isn't it? That your frontline work is a blessing. It's it's a blessing. And uh, why is it a blessing? Work is a blessing because you have the opportunity to do life with God and create something uh, on your frontline. It's a blessing. So it's a creative task. You have the opportunity, for goodness sake, think of what a privilege it is to be able to make a difference to uh, people around you and to your uh, town, your flat, your school, whatever. Uh, The whole whole culture, you can make a difference. And uh, actually, as you do it, you get a sense of significance. And also, you meet all sorts of people through your work. And so it's a great blessing, your job. So... I would really want to challenge this idea that's very prevalent. Oh, work. Roll on the weekend and actually have a different relationship with God. And there's that bit in Colossians that says give yourself wholeheartedly uh, to whatever it is you're doing because it's the Lord's uh, work. It's the the Lord's task you're doing. So I think uh, I'm just encouraging you to be passionate about what you're doing. And uh, actually, uh, you'll enjoy it more uh, if you are passionate about what you're doing. And uh, let me just say, um, don't be perfectionistic about your front lines, where you are. There's no perfect whatever it is. And it's important that you think traffic lights, if you see on this next slide. I think traffic lights help because actually uh, your work, whatever it is, is gonna be a traffic light probably. And uh, what's the red? The red is there's that element of your work that actually you really don't enjoy. There'll be some of that in what you do. There'll be some things you'd rather that you didn't have to do. They're, they're, they're there in every job. Uh, the orange is stuff you don't really mind doing. It's kind of okay. I'll do that. Uh, and then the green is stuff you love doing. Is, it just, is this ringing true for anyone? Okay, One person, thanks for nothing. Uh, is this ringing true for anyone? We've got this stuff going on. So that's normal That's a normal job. And can I just say that um, I heard years ago someone saying to me, when I was at school actually or university, saying you've got to think about this as you think about your your life, your job, where you're going. And actually you want to always make sure that there's at least 50% green in what you do. That's the lowest threshold you really want to do. You want to love at least half of it. And uh, in terms of paid employment, uh, they said to me, uh, if it's lower than that, I would just change jobs if you can and find something that has a better traffic light relationship, uh, proportion, ratio, if you like, if you possibly can. Because how much of your time do you spend at work on your front line? Most of your life, by a long way. So, it's really, really important that you have a good, healthy relationship with that and see that as God sees it, and also um, change if you can, if you need to. So that's the third thing. You know, to be passionate about your, what you're about and what you're investing yourself in is really, really important. Fourthly and finally, here we go. If you are to thrive uh, on your front line, I want to suggest you think vocation that you actually think vocation. We've talked work, we've talked front lines. Think vocation. And this is a sense that actually a vocation is much bigger than your job or your career or your front line. It's actually about your heartbeat really and who you're about and actually what you love doing, what you feel gifted uh, to do, what you really feel that moves you is about your vocation. The heart of this understanding of vocation is calling. The word actually means calling. And up until about the medieval times, vocation always applied to sort of people working in the church, but it's widened, thankfully, and it's, it's what you're about, your heartbeat, what you're called to do. Uh, it's bigger than your work. Uh, what are the stuff, when you look back on your life, you really, really want to have done, you really want to have invested in? Um, actually, that's part of your vocation. And uh, vocation, if you're wondering about that, always starts with a vision of God, vocation. That's why you need to hold on to the story. And it will always involve other people, um, serving other people encouraging other people. And uh, it will always involve, actually, um, your own heartbeat and what you're wired to do, what you love doing. Because you're much bigger uh, than... Your, your, your life is much bigger than your front line. There's all sorts of stuff going on, actually, that you need to express and release. Do we, do we know what our heartbeats are? What our sense of calling is? Do you, do you hands up if you, if you feel, yeah, I really know what I'm about. I, I really know what's important to me. So that's, that's good, that's pretty high. That's at least 50%, maybe 60%. And so how do you actually um, discern your um, vocation? Uh, can I suggest you do it f- by listening? You've got to listen to your heart. You've actually got to listen to your heart. Now, does, does, can we have a volunteer here? Who wants? Do you want to listen to your heart? Okay, David, if you, if you really insist, that's fine. That's, that's fine. I just set him up. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so do you want to, this is, these, these are real. So you've got to just try and listen. You've got to just listen, see if you can find your heartbeat. That's that, so. <laughs> Have you got it? Okay, I found it now. Yeah. That's good. So it's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you need to listen to your heart if you're going to really find your vocation. What you're really called to do is going to be this big thing that's, that's bigger than your front lines. You need someone else also, David, too. Can we just put that back? Natalie, come on.
2: <laughs>
1: come on. Because you actually need people to, um, you can't do this necessarily on your own. Um, Say <laughs> so, okay. Say so, oh yeah. You're listening to her heart. It's sweet, isn't it? It's great, isn't it? <laughs> you got to listen to your heart. Yeah, yeah. Is that really is that really mean? But don't you love listening to your heart? It's quite cool, isn't it? I do this quite a lot. I just listen to my heart at home. It's great. <laughs> I have this, I have this on my uh, little bookshelf at home. It Just reminds me, I see it every day. I just think, yeah, heartbeat. That's what it's about, vocation's about that, okay? And so, um, what I want to uh, encourage you to do is work out what your heartbeat is. And if you're really not sure, we're running a course about this in the autumn called Heartbeat. And also, here's a, here's a, here's a suggestion for you in the meantime, if you can't wait. Someone said this to me recently, if you want to work out really your, your heartbeat, just uh, get together with a partner, someone who knows you well, and separately answer this question. Write down two stories about your life uh, when you're a child. The one has to be before you're 10, the other is when you're older than 10, and actually... Um, Identify a time when you're under 10 where you felt really, really fulfilled, you really loved whatever you were doing, and you felt you were uh, doing something quite significant. And then do that again after the age of 10, but still as a child before you're 18. And um, then, when you've got those, tell your partner that who knows you well. Ask them to reflect back what that's about. What do they sort of see? What do they see in these stories? And... uh, and then you swap, and you'll start to get a sense on what's important to you. Because we spend so much of life just not living from the heartbeat or connecting, uh, let alone with God, but with the things that are precious to us. You know, I thought about that. Guess what the first thing that came to my mind under the age of 10? Boom, like that. It took me by surprise. Gymnastics. <laughs> I used to be on this gymnastics team, and it just, boom, boom. And I was thinking, why has is, is that come up? And I thought about it. We were, in this, we were in this national team. We were a very good gymnastics team. For a start, we had this great coach. And uh, he was amazing. Uh, he was like a mentor. And uh, also, uh, we had a great community. It was about relationship. And also, it was about taking risks. He, he made us do crazy things that were quite dangerous. And if you've done gymnastics, you'll know. You sort of push the boundaries of pers- personal safety quite regularly. And uh, that's what I loved about that. Then the other thing was, uh, after the age of 10, was, was actually, um, I made this pottery thing. And I thought, gosh, where did that come from? I would have never picked that if I'd, I sat down and thought about it. But I loved the whole creative thing. And I loved the whole uh, just making stuff. And uh, that sort of vibe. I really love that. But actually, you can drift away from these things. So what I'm suggesting powerfully tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is you hold on to the story, you plug into God, you just keep plugging into God. That uh, also you uh, see yourself as God sees you. Forget that negative voice. Any negativity about you that you speak into your head, banish or find yourself 20 pounds, or uh, and you've got to give it away, or you've got to give it to someone you really don't like. Um, <laughs> thirdly, <laughs> thirdly. Uh, Think passion about what you're up to, and and your front line is a blessing. It's not, oh, God, God. And finally, finally, think about your vocation. You know, when you look back on your life as an older person, when you look back, what do you want to say you've invested in? What's important to you? What do you want to see happen? Because God has plans and purposes for each one of you. This heartbeat thing is his call on your life. It's deep, it's precious. All those things you think that probably aren't God, they are God. All those little dreams you have, but think, oh, that would never work. That's God just nudging you, whispering into your life. And uh, you know he's anointed you with his spirit to actually see these things um, happen. So take it seriously, take yourself seriously. It's extraordinary what God can do through you if you just do little things, if you just follow his spirit and um, stop discounting yourself. Stop stop discounting what it is he's speaking over you because he believes in you. You have gotta believe in yourself. So can I encourage us to stand? We're gonna wait on the Holy Spirit and uh, if you're unfamiliar with this, you know, God, Jesus uh, has come, as I've said tonight, he's poured out his Spirit on us, so we're people of the Spirit. And uh, what I want to do is just encourage you, invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh tonight. You know, uh, God's mercies are new every day, and we're after what God's up to today, right now. Not yesterday, not in 1985, uh, or not in 2020. We want to just stand in the presence of the Spirit and uh, let the Lord minister to us. So Lord, we want to pray for your power just to fill this place and for you to release what you want to release tonight. Praise you, Father, we worship you. And just enjoy what God does in this time. Welcome what God wants to do in this time. More and more, Lord. Thank you, Father.